Sometimes you go too hard. No, totally. You, you totally fucking rash it, dude. I'm sorry. Where was it? Was it at least... Did Gwyneth Paltrow plow into you? You know, actually, you know, why don't we why don't we save it for the pod? We could just have one real life experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sure, Dan. <laughs> Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo tabbouleh, real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini ziti, granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I usually interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. I don't care what's in this guy's fridge, though, because he's been on the pod many times. Friend of the pod. I actually do care what's in his amazing brain. He's my buddy, my compadre, my brother from another mother. Another mother, mother sister from another mister. Jordan Carlos, welcome back. You're you're becoming the, uh, the Andy Richter of Green Eggs and Dan. <laughs> it's all I've ever aspired to be. I, I mean, I, f- I feel like more it's like Mr. Rogers, like a neighbor. You know how he's like, hey, this is my neighbor, Thelonious Monk. He lives around the corner. I'm like, see, do, 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 do. Gonna teach your kids jazz. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what this is. We're, we're starting something unofficially called What'd You Eat, where you, eat? you and I just pontificate on what we ate recently and we let the conversation go from there rather than it being let off by a fridge pick. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, on this, okay. the last day of Passover. <laughs> it's the last day of passover okay cool <laughs> couple days after after easter uh-huh tell me jordan what you been eating what you been eating good question great question first of all i did a seder by in-laws which was fantastic wow yeah or actually you know what i missed the seder i missed the seder but i got the food <laughs> oh my god I, when you go to seders with your in-laws are they like well, well you see we have a lot in common with the blacks we were both slaves we were slaves jordan you see we're not that different after all <laughs> oh my god. you make it sound like i married into a family of muppets and fraggles or something like that <laughs> what is that what voice is that <laughs> That's oh my, my, that's my Ashkenazi Jewish Brooklyn voice. <laughs> what in the Ellis Island are you doing right now? Yeah, no, they never draw parallels between the two. But however, you know, I mean, that was always something that was taught to me as a child was like the, the, the story of Exodus is taught in black churches, you know, in Sunday school. It's like, right. And look at these slaves getting out of there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I've always, uh, you know, people in bondage, diaspora, you know. It's cool, man. Hey, we're the big tent here. The big (laughs) slavery tent. We accept you here on Green Eggs and Down. Thanks, bud. You know, it's funny. I feel like my Egyptian friends, they have like a whole different take on Passover. They're like, yes, the the Jew, they were the slaves, but they were not building the pyramid. Okay, they were doing sewage lines. They were (laughs) the pyramids are just for royalty to build. I'm like, yes, that's right. The royalty were building the fucking pyramids. Let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. Yeah. So in Egypt, they're saying Jewish people did not build the pyramids. Mm. That that was the, they just did the sewers? Even the sewers? Is a bigger technological feat than the pyramids themselves. <laughs> yes, to have sewage back then, instead of just building a, a dumb triangle, way more difficult. It's really hard. I mean, listen, I mean, it's it's debatable. I think Andrew Schultz had a really good joke about how the fact that 
in Mexico, no one ever questions who made the pyramids, but but in Egypt, it's always up for debate for some reason. It's so weird. Yeah, man, I I've always been fascinated by that story. I I but I will say that the thing about it is, I'm here for the brisket. Mm. I will sit through any seder if there's brisket at the end of it. Mm. I'm down a clown. I was raised on brisket, so when I went to my first seder at my then girlfriend now wife's house, I was like, oh, I mean, I had to suffer through all this other stuff like. Huggle and like you know all this stuff like uh like a freaking egg and then like i don't know a bitter herb and i was like man i get it so the par- so the seder started with all the awful foods that are supposed to signify some awful shit that happened to us and then you were like these jews don't know what they're talking about when it comes to wait a second <laughs> brisket Yes, and they make it nice and juicy. It's really good, good brisket. We can always add a little salt. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it, but it is why I'm there. And then a lot of a lot of people there are like small portions. Now I'm like yah, 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 just robo loading the stuff into my mouth. It's fantastic. You are a bottomless it. pit. We all know this. Uh, <laughs> Jordan is such a disgusting bottomless pit of food. You make me think like I'm Godzilla. Or oh my god. <laughs> I don't know if Michelle's going to appreciate me telling this, but I don't know if she even told you this. But she told me that when she was hosting the awards, uh, the WGA Eastwards, you and I did a little bit of the writing for it. You went to the show. Did I did. And you were sitting in the front row. And she was like, I start doing my my bits. And I look down. And Jordan's just like (laughs) knee deep into the chicken on this plate like just like his glasses are fogging up i'm like yo i'm i'm finally doing the routine that we worked on and you're just like like what am i supposed to do (laughs) what am i in the signal core what what am i supposed to do as she's doing that she has a five minute set in a three hour evening just don't eat the chicken for a second (laughs) it was termed to me she was like and i wanted to say something but it's like no one knows you know one's gonna gonna know who i'm talking about in the room like steven spielberg's in the room and jordan's just like chomping on his chicken enjoy enjoy (laughs) chomping on that chicken it was great chicken you know the thing about it was it was it was um it had a nice uh kind of like a nice kind of like spank to the to the skin you know what i'm saying Mm. It mm. crackled a little bit, but then was mm. juicy right under. You know what I'm saying? A little souvite. It was <laughs> souvite, souvite. So it was. It felt good, man. It felt good to do. And you know what? I was a little. I was like sitting by one of the SNL cast members. He kept cracking me up. He was there with his mom. I was like, man, I'm over forty. I'm about to eat this chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to eat this chicken come hella high water. Oh, listen, I'm di- listen. <laughs> he is who he is. Can't can't get my head around it at this point. Just have to put my arms around it. All right. Had to put my mouth around that chicken. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> did you do anything special for Easter? Are there special Easter foods that I? Oh know sure, about? we did actually. My well-intentioned, wonderful, boozy mother-in-law mm. made a trifecta. The Jew? Wait, this is your your Jewish mother-in-law. She is not. Jewish. Okay. My mother-in-law is she is wasp. That's right. The father-in-law is Jewish. Yeah, is Jewish. Right. So she made. Jeez. Whew, she made um, bagels and locks. It was a brunch. Bagels and locks, which is probably what probably what Jesus had on that day. <laughs> the Romans were like, "What is your death row meal? We're about to nail you onto the cross." Well, I'll get it. I'll take a bagel and locks, please. <laughs> What? <laughs> he was a Jew, dude. <laughs> yeah, give me a bagel of Lux. Let's call it a day. All right, Emperor. I don't think he was from New Rochelle, though. <laughs> <You're> like, 
don't understand. Jesus didn't look like Nick Kroll. I just don't think that that's what Jesus looked like. Take me to Bonnie Greengrass. Let's get a bagel of Lux. Anyway, we had that. And then also it's Easter. So we had a whole chicken. (laughs) That was the Easter. Does that relate to the egg? Like the chicken and the egg? The Easter egg? I think so. I mean, it's more of a pagan uh, tradition. But she's like, for Easter, you're going to have a whole bird. So it's like, all right. Oh, but we did have matzo ball soup as well. This is really paint by numbers. And it's feeling kind of offensive. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm telling you, this is all part of Jesus's death row meal. It's like... (laughs) Get me a bagel and Lux. All right, Jesus. It's going to take a while for us to get that. Okay, but you're not going to like the second part. Can I get a matzo ball soup? Jesus Christ. That's where the expression came from because he kept asking for more and more things on his death row meal. And like, Jesus Christ, he wants, a, he wants a knish now? He's killing us. <laughs> so actually before that, I did have – we had gefilte. Wow. It's gefilte and a gefilte with a bit of uh, – what like applesauce and things like that, but homemade gefilte or like gefilte like, with uh, no, it's jarred gefilte, just mm. kind of like a reconstituted. Looks like somebody threw up a crab cake or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it never <laughs> and it it never goes bad. Like I feel like the Israeli army, there's like gefilte fish in their like uh, survival backpacks, like in case of emergency. Like it's just never gonna rot. <laughs> you mean like astronaut gefilte fish? Like it's like. <laughs> It's dried. <laughs> Freeze-dried gefilte fish. You just, add, you just add water. You can do that with your spit. It's fine. <laughs> so you guys had this very Jewish, it sounds, Easter brunch. Yeah, we did. And then, we, but chicken was like the Christian part. And then there was a bit of a Ramadan touch because... <laughs> What, you like didn't eat? You intermittent fasted? I guess. We had, um, what did we have? Dates? Dates are like the... A bit of couscous too. I mean, it was just the trifecta and I was like, I'm here for it. I'm hungry. Wait, was that real? Was it, was the couscous actually there to commemorate Ramadan? Do you have like a, like a, you know how, uh, what I mean, have a white person inclusive, just everyone is welcome was a bit to of the that. table? It was a bit of that. Really? Yeah. It was, a, it was a Neapolitan, if you will. <laughs> oh, man. I love yeah, it. Yeah, little, a little ice cream here, a little Neapolitan, a little, little strawberry, a little vanilla, a little, little yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, it was thrown in. It was the Putinesca of cultural exchanges. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever been to an Easter brunch, but I know that the wasps, they know how to, they know how to throw a good brunch. Oh, they, they love ha- a good brunch. They have those, like, like, you know when, like, a steakhouse has, like, a Sunday brunch, and it's, like, Ooh. these, like wasps with their like red noses because they they drink a lot and they're just like in their golf clothes and they're just like filling up a plate with like shrimp cocktail and uh oh yeah you know like trump's there he says hello he's like hey everybody have you had that have you gone to the omelet station it's crazy no i know exactly what you mean yes exactly that like the golf club brunch situation best i think i think brunch should be like a religion into itself like a church it it is a church it's a church of brunch um some people are practicing members some people are non-practicing some people practice in their homes you know and i feel like there are all these new secret brunch spots in new york too there's uh you know Frida's wife, Jack, somebody's Frida's, somebody's wife. Jack's wife, Frida. Who's Jack's wife, Frida? Say it again. Jack's wife, Frida. Jack's wife, Frida. Yeah. Now, these freedom fighters, they Mm. they love to go and line up at 5 a.m. for a little Frida action or like 
l'appartement for uh, they like to <laughs> stand in line at 5 a.m for that for that crap it's funny i do treat more, brunch yeah. like a religion because for me it's like i'm not very religious i'm not i'm not a brunch person i don't love brunch i a lot of times <laughs> i talk shit about brunch Ooh. i rarely go but when i do go i'm like huh it wasn't awful it wasn't that bad it's like how i feel about synagogue it's like oh well actually okay i don't know that i need to come back but yeah well, it can be it can be a moment. It's it's for a lot of people. It's like cultural, right? Like you're kind of having your little mimosas. You're catching up with friends. You're talking shit. It's great. I've never had a mimosa that I liked more than just a glass of champagne. There, mm. shots fired. Give wow, me champagne. Why do I have to mix it? And I'll have the orange juice on the side. I feel like you're always trying to incriminate me in, in this stuff. And I am not here for it. All right. I do like mimosas. And I'll tell you what other, what other morning drink I like is the Bloody Mary. Love the, the Bloody Mary. Mary is great. Yeah. I, I went to a Jets game once. Mm-hmm. I had Bloody Marys in the skybox. That's right. Living wow. a fancy life. They threw bacon in it. Donald Trump, bacon. Donald Trump was there. He's like, you're going to love this. <laughs> like, Donald, why do you keep popping up whenever there's like waspy things to do? <laughs> you're going to love this. Bloody Marys in the morning during the Jets game. I feel like you get like, uh, what is that brand? Cere? C-E-R-E? You get like the those like kind of like fancy ass like, who wants peach juice? And then we mix that with some bubbly. Would you do that? Is that you? I know what you're talking about. No, yeah. I, I don't like mixing anything with bubbly, man. I like it on its own. I don't like a Kia Royale. I don't like, a, you know, just give me the champagne on its own. This is a hot take. Although I will say, I'm also very particular about my Bloody Marys in that, like, I want that to be a fresh, homemade Bloody Mary mix. The, the store-bought stuff, never good. A nice, fresh one. Give daddy a little horseradish. Mmm. Mmm. Put some accoutrements on top of that just like stab one of those like skewer with 35 different pickled whatever and then you're just you're just soaking that vodka up all day it's nice Mm. it's hot your your body's like why are you doing this yeah at 1 p.m you're like what have you done (laughs) i don't know if i'm going to bed or waking up or hungover or tomato juice the creases of your eyes hurt yeah totally what can you explain to me the the alliance uh of tomato juice makers and airlines and why does people only drink tomato juice on airlines? What is it about being 20,000 feet up in the air in a steel <laughs> tube that makes people fucking crave two things, tomato juice and ginger ale? The yes. tomato juice ginger ale lobby, they were like, we got guys, we're not going to make it out in these stores on land. We got to reach for the skies and stay the fuck up there. And they did it. Why I is don't- that? I don't know why it's appropriate to have tomato juice in flight <laughs> other than I was like when I, I used to order it when I was a kid and Same. I was like, yeah, I was like, give me some cold tomato soup. And they're like, right away, <laughs> right away, young man. You've come to the right place. <laughs> United <laughs> Airlines flight 384. We got you, bro. You want some gazpacho? We got gazpacho. <laughs> oh, my God. You going to your cousin's wedding? His third? Here we go, bud. Don't you worry about it, little man. Yeah, man, I tow up some Seda stuff. What about you? And now, your Seda is not Ashkenazi. Right. Or se- your Seda, of course, is Sephardic. Yeah. Sephardic. Sephardic, yeah. So take um, us on a Sephardic safari and tell us what you ate. Well, it's interesting. You know, our food culture is way better than the Ashkis. And I look, the Ashkis have their stuff, okay? They win wow. all the Nobel Prizes. They get mm-hmm. all, all the stuff they need. They become, you know, all the gastroenterologists and, you know, the cardiologists. 
Give us rhythm and give us food. That's all we need. Wow. But what we do is actually the whole Passover, even the Passover plate thing is completely different. For example, the Ashkis have something that's just like apples and walnuts. It's like an mm-hmm. apple walnut weird thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the slice, it's 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 like a na- afikoman. No, the afikoman is the hiding of the matzah. Oh, man, I'm going to get it one of these days. I'm going to get it one of these days. matzah for the kids so that they find it and then, uh, and then you give them a What's bride. this thing then I'm thinking about? You're thinking about the, it's called Haroset. Harosef. Haroset. Haroset. Harosef is a black Jewish guy. You know, what's up? My name is Harosef. I'm out in these streets. I know it's supposed to be like the, the mortar between the bricks and yes, that that's what they made up is. the pyramids that, yes, that exactly. the Jewish people did not make. Okay. Yes, that the Jewish people had nothing to do with. We were <laughs> yeah. just like unclogging toilets, apparently, according to my friend Omar. They were um, the supers. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just walking around ancient Egypt with a key ring full of keys. <laughs> <laughs> Long skeleton keys. That's amazing, dude. So the Sephardic version of that, every family takes a ton of pride in their version of haroset that we make. And it's just... I'm telling Ooh. you, if they if they put this thing up on the shelves, like in the hummus aisle, it would sell mm-hmm. as much, if not more. It's got dates, pomegranate Ooh. molasses, Ooh. walnuts, red wine, and it's you know it's, it's turned into the consistency of a hummus. Okay, and it is very like nutrition, like very nutrient dense and mm. just delicious. And every family takes like a ton of pride in it. They're like, "You think your grandmother makes the best haroset? I spit on your grandmother's haroset." And then, like, you know, there's, like, family fights. It's, like, episodes of succession in Persian families. Yeah. Just based off of shit talking another person's haroset. <laughs> is your is your mom's amazing? Is your dad's amazing? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. It's 2023. How's you your know, dad's haroset? I, I will say, in, in, in the Persian kitchen, it is 1956 all day. <laughs> <laughs> all day, every day. I don't know. There's only a handful of men who I know who cook Persian. And the ones who do are, like, you know, they, they knock it out of the park because they have a passion for it. But my dad doesn't know how to fucking uh, boil uh, water. Like, literally wouldn't know what to do. It's okay. It's not his function, bro. That's not his function. That's why he was right. He was a model to do it. It's all right. He can sell a rug like a motherfucker. Absolutely. He's a rug pusher, bro. Like a Harosef. He can sell a rug. (laughs) No, uh, it's mostly mostly the matriarchs of the family. There Mm -hmm. are a couple dudes getting in the game. My Uncle Joe makes a sick Harosef. Some people get into it, but uh, yeah, no, it's very, very, very sexist in a Persian Persian kitchen. Not sexist. It's old-fashioned. Yeah, Persian Seder, I believe to be like Seder, but Mm -hmm. yummy. Yes, it is. I mean, and then again, after that, you're going to have a huge traditional spread of... Dinner. And again, the, the big difference between Sephardics and Ashkenazis is we do rice on Passover and they don't do rice. They don't allow rice mm. on their Passover. So, and it's kind of, a, they're very jealous about it because we, we go, we also like to rub it in their face. We do, we go extra on the rice and we take pictures and send them to our friend Avi and Eli <laughs> and let them know what's up. And there's also a wonderful dessert called halva that we make, which yeah. is made with a sort of a rice flour dessert. Rice flour, Ooh. saffron, delightful. It, it Come on. Like, it's almost like a denser jello. Damn. Yeah, it's fucking great. And I'm, it's awesome. It's great stuff. It's got that gelatinous, saffrony. 
puddingy pudding oh you're putting me in the mood right now dude this is amazing yeah what else did i eat this week we went down to lambertville new jersey which is really fun lambertville Mm -hmm. is in bucks county uh or across the way from bucks county county now bucks county is like the it's like the upstate new york of philadelphia okay and it's only an hour and a half away from the city and zero new yorkers go there because it's neither the hamptons nor on the river. So they're just like, does not come to you. But it's still fantastic. And yeah. it's actually what upstate towns are trying to achieve. But with, there's just no hipsters or anything like that. It's just nice small town folk making good food. Cool. Fantastic. I invite people to go there. And we went to a great diner called Under the Moon. So we got good diner food this week. I love mm. a good diner breakfast, little French toast, eggs over easy, bacon, no faking. Mm. My son just had a side of bacon. That's all he was. <laughs> and he was fine because he's six years old. So he burned like a blue flame. Just like, I don't know how kids do it. Yeah. But uh, they eat the junkiest crap and they're still, they're just like an ox. It's it's insane. Here's a question. Please. Much like the mystery of the tomato juice ginger ale up in the air, you know, mafia. Go on. How <laughs> did the Greeks corner the diner market oh, in New York? Oh, wow, dude. Why is every diner Greek? It's like, because it's not like they're serving. There's, there's usually like a little Greek section. Right. And it's not like there's a tradition of diners in Greece. What happened? Great question. Without doing any research. Yeah. Give me your, your best guess. <laughs> yeah. I would say, I would guesstimate and say that most things that people like get good at, like one culture gets good at is because that's all the dominant group would let them do. And then <laughs> people right. turn around right. and like, why are you always with the diners? <laughs> hey, Asians, why are you always making a drug? Because you won't let us do shit else. <laughs> Oh, it's so true. The Jews just lucked out because they're like, all right, you fucking dirty Jews. The only things you can do are banking and becoming doctors. And they're like, okay, this should probably work out for us in the future. I cannot yes and any of these bits. This will work out okay. <laughs> no, but it's true because they weren't because you know they weren't allowed to yes. lend money uh, because of Christianity uh, doesn't allow for interest, and also they thought that uh, working on the human body was like a disgusting, gross thing. So like, let the Jews do that. Absolutely, and then and then another thing was like, if you want to take it to like the 20th century, like uh, the Warner Brothers, you know, how Warner, um, Louis B. Mayer, they moved out to California because there were no prospects. In New York, like you couldn't, there were so many quotas and you couldn't do anything that these Jewish businessmen moved out to Los Angeles because they couldn't actually make a living. It had been kind of like systematically constructed as to where they were left out of the game. But in California, you could actually do something, right. achieve something, create something because there was, it was the Wild West. So that's why they went out there. And that, and to think that like pe- people are like, Jews ruin Hollywood because th- no one would let choice. them do anything else. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so in the same way, the Greeks run diner. I wonder if they were just like, we're not going to open up a restaurant 24 hours a day. And some guy named Stavros was like, give, give, the, mission to, give the mission to me. I do it. I'm Stavros. Stavros will do it, man. Stavros <laughs> is like getting all those people back from the old country to come and work to the diner. You know, it's like a clearinghouse for people. It's like, yeah, that's what it was, man. I, yeah. I mean, I got, I got nothing against these Greek diners out here. There were no Greek diners in Lambertville as, as far as I could see, uh, unless they were in the back. I have no idea. I mean, the other thing is like, I'm sure it's not like that as much anymore. Cause it's like, you know, it's kind of like uh, the next generation, they do that. So the next generation can do other stuff, you know? Oh, absolutely. I love a good dramatic scene where the son is like, I don't want to be in a diner my whole life, dad. I want to, Dance! <laughs>
I want to dance. <laughs> I left the island of Persinopoli <laughs> to come here oh my and my son become a dancer. God damn you. Yanis, stop doing this. Why are you doing this to their family? <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> just, I love it when movies where they like dance on the table into the street and everybody's dancing. It's just, that's my favorite thing. Right. And I'm sure that happens with every generation yes. of Greek diner families. And then Stavros disowns his son, Yanis, but Stavros <laughs> ends up going to the show, his opening show in the back. And, you know, he sees his son dancing and and dies a tear comes down <laughs> his eye just before he takes his ak-47 outside oh my coat, god shoots the whole oh dance company down <laughs> and then he goes wow that was dramatic anyone want some extra home fries with omelets <laughs> and that's what they call a greek diner tragedy so how did greeks end up running the diner business well jordan and i were kind of right It's a classic immigrant story of the new group having to take jobs nobody else wanted. The main wave of Greek immigration was in the 1940s. Much like with the Jews, Italians, and Irish immigrants in the 1800s, nobody wanted to hire them for anything. So they took whatever jobs they could, and that landed them mostly as dishwashers in restaurants. The 1950s had a diner boom, and the Greeks were already in the kitchens. When the homegrown American owners couldn't take the grueling 24-hour schedule, the Greeks in the kitchen would offer to buy them out. And so slowly, they went from dishwasher to cook to owners of a huge majority of the nation's diners in just a few decades. What else did I eat? I was in this town of Lambertville, and I ate a three-tiered tapa situation. There was a big moon thing happening on the street. So there's another another little spot called Under the Moon. Mm. It's just a giant, like, beautiful old house, Mm. brick, red brick house that they converted into a restaurant because, of course. And it was so wonderful. My kids were, like, playing in the front porch, and I was just like enjoying myself and wife and I had a wonderful meal. It was like, uh, so we did three tiers of the, of the tapas. We had the salvejas, like, uh, how do you say mushroom in Spanish? Championes? Yeah. Championes. Championes. Alvejas. Yeah. While mushrooms, we had the ropas vieja. Mm, old ropes. Yeah, old rope. There's old clothes. Ropas. Yeah. yeah. The old rope, whatever it is. Ropa, you're right. Um, it's is a, ropa um, vieja, it's a, is that like some sort of pulled meat situation? Yes, yes. It's like brisket. I'll do it. I'll go right. anywhere. So, and then finally, we had the gambas ayo. Mm, gambas. So that's gambas, like shrimp, on, shrimp and garlic. Shrimp and garlic, baby. So All day. We had very different food experiences because while you, uh, it seems, were in the rust belt of Pennsylvania going to shitty diners in old houses. Okay. That was not, it's where Washington crossed the freaking Delaware, dude. Yeah, he crossed it to get away. To get away. <laughs> okay, not to stay there. I was in New York City for my book release. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Where's my book, by the way? I bought one and I ain't still, I still ain't got it. Did you buy one and you didn't get it? Is that true? Yeah, where's it at? <laughs> I don't have to fucking ask Amazon. 
Man, come on now. But I did a tour of uh, very different restaurants from whence you came from. I went to very fancy New York City establishments. Uh, went to my new favorite restaurant in New York, which is Teresi, which mm-hmm. is a, a hot restaurant. Actually, this was a very funny story. I don't think I've said this on the pod. But went and was with my bro. We go to Teresi. And you know our buddy Will, who's the CFO of Major Food Group. Uh, Will Nazar hooked it yes. up. Yes. Oh, table very nice. Sit down, and Meryl Streep is sitting there right next to us. So I end up going to the restroom. I come up, and my bro goes, yo, if you were uh, starstruck before, look at the table next to Meryl's. And Jerry Seinfeld had sat down. So Jerry Seinfeld and Meryl Streep were t- sitting at two different tables at this fucking restaurant in a tiny dining room. Wow. And I had my book with me. I had one of my books with me and I was like, and my brother's like, you got to give it to Seinfeld. And I was like, no, he's like, he's notoriously like kind of cantankerous. Like when people come up to him, I was like, dude, I don't think I could do it. He's like, no. And he gave me this speech of we're all specs in the universe. This is not, this is all going to be nothing one day. We're all going to die. And I was like, yeah, fuck this. Seinfeld's getting my book. So I got up and took the book and started walking in slow motion towards Jerry Seinfeld. All the servers and the managers were like, take the shot. Take the shot. You're green for go. And I opened it with, hey, uh, Jerry, I've been a, sorry to bother you. I've been a comedian for 25 years. So, you know, we're on the same level. So I'm not just some fan. And I was like, I wrote this book. It's a comedic food memoir. Uh, it's bestseller on Amazon. And I really think your your wife would like it. And he's like, why? Why you have a your book with you? You carry your book with you wherever you go. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, it just came from a book party, so I had a copy of it. And he's like, okay, great. Well, congratulations. I was like, thanks. Can I leave it for you? He's like, yeah, leave it. He's still kind of a dick, but he took the book. That's huge, man. Yeah. I mean, you never know. He might read it. He wasn't a dick, actually. He was nice, and also I was like, yeah. he was like having a nice dinner, and you know, yeah. And I was yeah. coming up, to, and I'm sure this shit happens to him all the time. Dude, that's amazing. What a story. Yeah. What a story. This is the part. This, you know what? It's kind of crazy. This is where you learn Jerry Seinfeld can't read. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, <laughs> that's why he gets so bad when um, people hand him books. He's made so it this far. Went to Teresi, fantastic meal at Teresi. After that, the next day, went to Estella. Uh, Ooh, oh, your favorite. My favorite. Uh, went there just for drinks and apps and then had dinner at, uh, what's it called? Um, Mineta Tavern. Mm. Mineta Tavern, where you take your side piece, where you don't want your wife to find you. you know I mean? <laughs> it's totally a take your side piece place. Your guma. You take hey, your guma? Take a guma. They are very attentive in the Keith McNally group. Uh, I'm on the, you know, they have the, they have a, a list. They have the A list, the double A list, and the triple A list. Okay? Dana Dude's on the double A. I'm on the double A. All right. Like the battery, bro. They somehow knew that I had a book come out. Gave us champagne when we got in. Just good service. Fantastic service. Amazing. Uh, uh, the food was awesome. Just a wonderful experience. His restaurants are great. Keith McNally knows how to fucking run a restaurant. I will say Keith McNally knows how to run a restaurant. You know how to run, you know who knows how to run one better? Hmm. His ex-wife. She still yeah. has the Odeon. Is that right? Odeon and Cafe Clooney, which are kind of better experiences really? to me. Yeah, I kind of like them. Is more. Clooney still open? Yeah, very much so. Oh, I haven't so been nice. yeah, in a long time. It's a beautiful, it's on a beautiful corner in the West Village. Come on now. Yeah, it's very, very pretty. It's like a storybook corner. It's very, very cute, very quaint. Just had a nice power lunch there. Mm. I was like, why don't we meet at Cafe Clooney? The person was like, oh my God, is this something out of a goddamn film? I'm like, it is. And I snapped and everything went into black and white. It was crazy. <laughs> 
So was this power lunch something something that you were paying for or the other person was paying for? The other person paid for it. I was so excited. Ooh, that's good. I literally have a list on my phone of restaurants for when other people are paying that I want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> like what? I, I think I've said this story before, dude, but I, my agent was like, hey, Dan, I want to take My agent's like, he's not a foodie. He doesn't really understand food. But he's like, mm-hmm. hey, I'd love to take you out for lunch. I'm like, great. Let's meet at Sushi Kama in West, in West Hollywood. He's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I love sushi. <laughs> dude it's like a 300 dollars a person omakase and they don't even like say the price on the menu and we're eating and like he doesn't even know what's the, he's like taking oh, a sushi no. like dipping it in the spicy sauces and this and that he's like yeah this is good it's not as good as uh the, and like, express but goddamn <laughs> this ain't no volcano sushi but it's pretty good and the bill came and he's like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> i'm like thank you for being my agent i just got my 10 percent back from you link it ink dink you know it's so crazy dude i'm gonna tell you the weirdest meal i've had but up to us speaking mm. you ready for it yes craft services crafty table shooting a commercial this week with one rob gronkowski Mm. of of patriots and a little you know a little tampa bay fan to my fans you have to let them know we are not a sport watching fandom oh we know that we know every chef in every restaurant but we do not know oh dear god gronkowski gronkowski was uh the sous chef to tom brady's head chef is (laughs) that is that helpful okay thank you (laughs) yeah yes yeah perfect yeah oh my god uh so anyway um yeah we were shooting this commercial and there was there was it was a it was like a fever dream. There was like a thoroughbred horse on a mm. stage in Newark in this in this weird old theater, and Rob Gronkowski and me. And then he goes over to Crafty. And how do you how do you break the ice with Gronk? Yeah. You know what I mean? How do you make a how do you make a joke that weighs about as much as a polar bear? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How do you break that ice? Yeah. Let me tell you something. It wasn't me. You know who did it? The jockey. The guy who plays the jockey. So he's like five foot. He's like five foot two. Like an island boy looking for coconuts. He looks up at Gronk and he goes, are you the other jockey? <laughs> Not bad. Gronk dying. Not bad. <laughs> dying. <laughs> They're taking selfies. They're no. connecting. I'm like, what the? What the? You feel left out. You felt left yeah. out. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, I, I hate the Patriots. But I want to be friends with Gronk. Yeah. Interesting. Now, did you have something in mind that you were going to say before no. the jockey came and stole the show? No, nothing. No. I had nothing for him. <laughs> Zilch. I was just like, I've seen you my whole life, bro. I can't like not pretend that yeah. you aren't who you are. Yeah. But nice man. All he was interested in, he was like, he's like a, a little kid. He looks over. I'm like, maybe we can make a little snack joke. Let's make a mm. little snack joke because yeah. we need snacks. That's what I would do. I'd be like. I bet you must be disappointed that uh, you can't get your hands on some pigskins. <laughs> okay, guys, to your pigskins. to your audience, footballs are made out of the hides of pigs. Somebody's like, that's, that sounds delicious. Yeah. If you did that, the PA would be like, take the shot. Take the fucking shot. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so he eats these marshmallows. He's, he's like, they're like Budelicelli's marshmallows. I yeah. love Budelicelli marshmallows. I'm like... Uh-huh. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. It was just like, you know, he's so wholesome and American. I was just like, I've never and heard of like Budalicelli. Did you say that to him? Did you no. say that to him? 
Because that I'd, could be that could be another move. Is like you know everyone everyone says yes to these people. I'm gonna be the one who says no. I'm gonna treat him like a normal person. Budalachelis, what the fuck are Budalachelis? You fucking idiot. Next thing you know, you and Gronk are on vacation in fucking you know Mykonos together. We're just playing volleyball like in Top Gun with our jeans on. <laughs> How'd you guys meet? He told me to go fuck myself. <laughs> the marshmallow table. Hanging with the boys. <laughs> it's gonna be me, Julian Edelman, Tom Brady. These are all people that were on the Patriots, everybody. <laughs> I'm trying to help your audience. By the way, you said Julian Edelman, and I thought Alex Edelman, the, the comedian. <laughs> does, I'm like, why would he be there? Oh, maybe because of his one-man show, you want to hang out with him? Oh no, it's a different Edelman. Oh my God! No, it's another Edelman, very, very good third down back and a great slot receiver. Anyway, I was next to greatness, and I didn't. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm really good. I'm no good with famous people. I'm no good. I grew up I'm with awful. rich people. Yeah, I, I grew up with rich people. Can mm. understand rich people all day. I get it. Yeah. Not everybody wants you to know that they're rich, but everybody wants you to know they're famous. Right. <laughs> so right. so it's hard to like straddle that thing you know yeah so what i do in those situations is i just don't talk to them <laughs> so Same. i just didn't talk to Gronk. yeah i mean look that seinfeld moment that i had was very out of character i Huge. never talk to them i'm very awkward in Huge. front of them which is why whenever i get recognized i try to make it the least awkward moment for that person because i know how awful it is to like nerve-wracking if you're a fan of someone to go up to them yeah i'm just like have at it guys what do you want to do you want a hug do you want a picture you know you want to smell me whatever you want this is your i want this to be the least awkward thing for you i often like i like boomerang their their phone you know what i'm saying oh that's fun i feel like we're fun famous people jordan you're famous i'm famish no i'm still famish i'm still famish i mean yeah but uh i definitely had kids follow me into a deep teak candle shop last week Hey! All right, I'm not bragging, but that's three awesome. Little teenage boys followed me into the deep teak. I was getting candles for my cousin who was having the seder, Aww. and uh, the candle person said, "Excuse me, are those your kids behind you?" And I turn around, and there are these three fucking Aryan-looking kids. Mm -hmm. I was like, you thought those could be my children? And I was like, hey, guys. And they're like, hey. I was like, you guys want a picture? They're like, yeah, it's okay. I was like, yeah, of course it's okay. What do you like? Uh, you, you watch Cobra Kai? They're like, yeah, and kicking it. I was like, oh, because there's a child that is my sweet spot. Okay, let's edit that out. There is a child <laughs> who can't get enough of me. Nope, let's nope, let's edit that out, out as well. There is a child who a gets type. very excited when they see me. Yeah. Nope. Do not use that. Anyway, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say is the <laughs> kids who watch Kicking It who now watch Cobra Kai. That is my Venn diagram. Oh no, the circles and intersections of that are just really <laughs> not great. Can I can I ask you a question, please? What is the next karate based project you'll be working on? Because <laughs> whenever karate based thing, you're like Orlando Bloom, dude. Anything with action. Mm will go on forever. And then you try to do these cerebral things. It's like, come on, man. You just want to see people kicking each other in the face. Get back to what you're good at. The <laughs> sidelines of a karate show. <laughs> uh, you know, everyone's got to have their niche. Everyone's got to find their niche. You are karate, man. I am karate. <laughs> you, you would be, honestly, I would love to see a show, though, called Karate Man. That's literally just the Karate Kid. But the man doesn't know he's in the Karate Kid movie. Mm. I want to see that. Yes. 
Karate Man. Okay, we are off the rails, which I think means that we should yes. wrap this up. I want to be mindful of your time. It is spring break. It is spring break. Jordan, thank you as always. Tell the people where they can find you. You can always find me on Spotify. If you are interested in podcasts, mine is called Adulting, which I host with the lovely and amazing my co from Go, Michelle Buteau. Mm-hmm. Find us there. You can also find me on Instagram at the Realer Jordan Carlos. You can find me on Twitter at Jordan Carlos. My website is Jordan Carlos Comic. I will be on Comedy Central very soon on the show. Nora is Aquafina. That's cool. Double guest spot there. And then um, I was also on this new reboot of Party Down. You'll find me on Party Down. I have Fantastic. a little little cameo there as well. Um, so excited about that. You're the funniest person I know. You're my favorite person to talk to. I want to Don't turn you? this into a, a monthly, bi-monthly, not, not, what does it mean if it's once every two months? I don't know. Um, bicentennial. Bicentennial. I want bicentennial. <laughs> bicentennial. Jordan comes back. I love yeah. having you. I love conversating with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, until next time, my friend. Conversation, conversate. Love you, buddy. Love you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.